0: Welcome to Found Objects with Meaning, a podcast series from Wallpaper Magazine in collaboration with Vodafone Smart Tech, who are creating innovative smart devices that help people stay connected to what matters most in their lives. My name is Jonathan Bell, and I'm Wallpaper Magazine's Transport and Technology Editor. In these podcasts, I'll be talking to six people about their personal and professional attachment to a wide variety of physical objects. We'll be discussing the stuff that surrounds them, the things that define them, and the objects that have inspired them focusing on something they still treasure, as well as the precious possession they've lost along the way. Whether it's transformative technologies, favourite tools or inspirational artworks, Found Objects of Meaning is all about the creative and emotional force of the objects that we have and the things that we've lost. Niall Rogers was a musical prodigy from a very young age. Growing up embedded in the heart of America's counterculture, Niall is globally renowned for his work in popular music. There's probably no part of the musical landscape that Niall Rogers hasn't travelled through, from his pioneering work with Sheik in the 70s through to his current status as a legendary hitmaker, player, composer and producer. The winner of multiple Grammys, as well as many lifetime achievement awards and honorary professorships, Niall continues to write and perform all around the world. Niall, welcome to The Wallpaper Podcast. Thank you. We're here today to talk about our relationship with objects and how important they are to people as a way of capturing memories of time and place. So I'd like to start really by asking you about your own relationship with things. Are you a collector of anything in particular? I
1: thought I was going to be a collector and then I wound up categorising myself as a hoarder (laughs) um, because no one got to see these wonderful things that I collected and I just realized over the last few weeks that some of these things I've not touched for 40 years. I, I bought them in my twenties, now I'm in my late sixties. And it's like, what, are you kidding me? That's that's not collecting, that's hoarding. That's like having the crown jewels or something. And it's like, the, like what is that, you know?
0: And is that one particular type of object or just everything that you just bring together? Every
1: Everything. Um, so I grew up in a, in a very artistic um, culture and it was almost the sort of New York. Well, it was, it was the beatnik New York subculture. And it was really great. And it was quite easy to latch onto things and find <laughs> as when we were kids, we used to say objet d'art and we say darty objects. We'd find people <laughs> darty objects that we'd like. whether you were a super hippie and it was anything like a a concho belt or a a turquoise ring or whatever, whatever. I mean, you just ran the gamut or the the right headband.
0: So this was about fashion as much as anything else or self-expression?
1: Well, fashion and design and what's in your home and what's in your environment. And also, I grew up in an era where You know, look, I was homeless for a while and used to make your your statement, your artistic statement with the way you look when you walked into room. they go, oh, that dude's a hippie. It was pretty clear the same way bikers, you know, fly their colors on their back. You know, you know right away where they're coming from. So um, I I had an appreciation for all forms of the arts. Always, since I was a kid, Uh, I grew up around museums and books and uh, and talented artists and poets and actors and they were just in my family's life because my family were heroin addicts so <laughs> so were all the artists in those days
0: <laughs> but, do, but do you think i mean obviously you became a musician and musician music is ephemeral and transient and only by putting something down on a record can it live on forever do you think that you clung on to other objects as a way of sort of identifying yourself, knowing that maybe you wouldn't actually ever get the chance to make records when you started out? You
1: you know, it didn't happen that way. The the very first birthday present I ever got when I was five years old um, was a copy of Elvis Presley's song, Blue Suede Shoes. And my grandmother gave me the blue suede shoes to go along with the record. And I thought that, wow, buying records was incredible mean, you're a kid. <laughs> That's your first impression. You think every time you get music, you're gonna get a fashion item to go along with it, right? It was just, you know. So she ruined me right from that first moment. And um so right away I connected music with fashion, fashion, music, and 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 that was the main art form. And then once I started to uh, delve into it, then uh, poetry became an important part. But see, you see, I didn't study poetry in the typical way that a person studies poetry. I grew up during the Beatnik era and the street poetry and the free, free form and open mic and um, and just you know what we used to call Beat poet style. And my my family spoke like that, so I had to learn their language of communication which was quite different from the language that people typically spoke it would not be odd for my father to say to me or my stepfather mom and dad always spoke very slowly and uh, <laughs> cool like uh, my nickname was Pud, and they would say uh put um i dug your report card today and um things don't seem so copacetic at that school. Um, um, like what's going on, young blood? You know, so that's, that's how my parents spoke to me. I mean, so... So
0: you've uh, got this amazing appreciation of, of language and flow and rhythm and everything like that, I guess. Can out of that?
1: Oh my God, my parents were the slowest talking, uber intellectuals you ever want to meet. I mean, uh, like I, I wrote in my autobiography, I said... My stepfather had uh, concepts and perspectives that would even make Miles Davis uh, (laughs) contemplate his own sense of cool. But my stepfather was ultra cool.
0: So do you have many things from that time of your life that you still have today?
1: Um, Only pictures. I don't have any actual real artifacts. I'm sure if I go through stuff... uh, Things have been returned to me from my little brothers or my grandmother or whatever, but I'd have to really work hard to find those type of artifacts other than photos. I found that um, photos have been super important in my life because what they've done is they've captured who I've been throughout my life. And though I don't have a lot, because when I was younger, you actually had to have a proper camera. You couldn't just use your phone. So there's gonna be a whole generation of people that really have everything captured forever because they grew up with phones in there, uh, you know, cameras on their phones.
0: Uh, yeah, but I guess they also don't have the physicality of a photograph and an actual print can be so much more meaningful than a thousand photos in a hard drive somewhere that you might never ever get to look through
1: that's true so it's so it's interesting that we just landed on photographs because uh a couple of days ago boy is this a long story i'm gonna try and make it short (laughs) Um, uh, that's difficult for musicians but um in the 80s andy warhol commissioned robert maplethorpe to shoot me and Robert, he and I got along very, really, very well, and so well that when he would shoot me, he actually would dedicate the photo to me. And I didn't know if I, yeah, I wasn't like I wasn't into to um, photographs as much as I was into paintings. But I, I knew they were important, and I knew Robert was important. Yeah, I knew the vibe hanging around him and all that sort of. You know, I'm a New York kid, so I knew you know, that Annie Leibowitzes and so, you know, I understood, but I also, but I didn't understand about the signature and all that stuff, and, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, so Andy Warhol commissioned this photograph and when Robert took it, he says to Nile, <laughs> that's it. To Nile, Robert. And a uh, long story short, now this, was probably done in 1983 or something, 84. And uh, an ex-girlfriend, when we broke up, she stole the photo. Uh, It was amazing. You know, like uh, I let her live in my apartment. I moved into my house. And when she was gathering up her stuff, because she was rather angry because I had a new girlfriend, she stole a lot of stuff. And it was like, wow. Uh, and, and the one thing she stole that was really touching was that particular Maplethorpe because Robert had now he's taking other photos of me. It's not like ah, I don't have any you know, he's taking other photos, which are actually even better. But this one, because he said to Nile, was very special. It was almost like it was it was almost as if, you know, and and, and uh, you know, I'm not trying to read into his mind because I don't know, but it could have been a, a, a way to one up Andy Warhol, maybe, or maybe just because he liked me and wanted to say to Nile. Anyway, this photo has been missing from my life for uh, I am now sober, going on 27 years in a few days. Um, so I haven't been with that girlfriend uh for more than 35 years or so 30 35 years and um and she fell upon hard hard times and uh she had a locker sale and the person probably didn't know what they were buying but when they bought it they had millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff right and and a, a dealer went and um he uh, saw this Mapplethorpe photograph. Um, if you don't mind, I can go and get it and show you. Yeah, yeah definitely. This is unbelievable that this has come back into my life. I love it. Now, I live in New York. Yes. Yeah. So this photo made it from my wall in New York. Uh, when I broke up with my girl, that particular girlfriend, uh, I got her a house in Telluride um then she moved to los angeles and blah 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 and this was you know 40 years ago so now i I, my main job is working at abbey road in london i get this this from this gentleman from england here okay and uh blah 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 blah. (laughs) he lives right down the street from abbey road
0: that's that's a very 80s photograph i have to say
1: can you see how it says two now
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Had you sort of considered when it went? Were you were you cursing yourself cursing her that she'd taken it, or um, had you actually had it gone from your mind by the time it had come back? I, I, you know, I was somewhat
1: uh, ambivalent because um, this is a woman who I actually was quite in love with at the time. the The only reason why we broke up was because she wanted me to stop doing drugs and drinking at the time. And I wasn't ready. It's like she had gotten sober and she got sober in a preachy way where it was like, you know, now that I'm sober, the world must be sober. And it was like, Oh, you, you don't do it like that. You know, you got it the day that you got it. Another person will get it the day they get it or not. It's not your, you know, life, you know, so she should have left me instead of trying to force me into being like her since that didn't work i'm a musician i'm an artist i'm my own person they i mean i'm the worst person to try and force into (laughs) i mean i used to be a subsection leader in the black panthers at 16 years old i was you know accustomed to formulating plans and carrying yeah. them out with, you know, with people not having someone coming to tell me to do, do something unless it was, uh, y- you know, usually type of very simplistic stuff, you know, Hey, Niall, can you run up and get, you know, five pans of paint from paint from so-and-so. So uh, when, when she took the stuff, I, I didn't really, I, I was probably feeling bad like i missed her more than the stuff uh-huh. yeah but i liked the drugs more than i missed her <laughs> so okay. uh,
0: so in the grand scheme of things at the time it was not on your mind as much
1: <laughs> it was on my mind but i just what was i going to do make her feel worse um yeah i i just couldn't do that so and i had other photos that robert had taken of me so it wasn't like she took them all uh, she just took that one because she knew that that would be worth the most because it was commissioned by Andy Warhol.
0: Yeah. But do did, did you think that became more important because now you've got it back and now it's now it's kind of totemic you know, of, of that era, of that time, um, and things that are lost and found, I guess, are always a little bit more important in our mind?
1: Um, yeah, I think that there's something amazing that it, came back to me especially because like i said now i work at abbey road the gentleman who sent this who bought this at i don't know what ungodly price um uh lived two blocks from abbey road um so it made it all the way around the world right back to me almost as if uh, some kind of magnetic force was pulling it towards me and it was incredible i mean the letter that he wrote me was so sweet so what what he did when he returned this, he made um, a, a copy of a print that he wanted me to sign between <laughs> Robert and Andy and then send that back to him, which I did. He said, um, as mentioned, I enclosed a print for you to sign and return to me address below. Stay safe. Blah, blah, blah. Thanks again for all your uh, cooperation with the artwork. And I think he says, oh, and the and the long story. <laughs> Warm regards, Ali.
0: For those of us who lose keys down the back of the sofa, leave bags behind, or have an adventurous pet, say hello to Curve, the champion of finding. You can find almost anything with this smart GPS tracker, designed and connected by Vodafone. With unlimited tracking, it works on iOS and Android devices. It's the tiny tracker you can attach to your favourite things. To find out more, search Vodafone Smart Tech. Subscription required and terms apply. I mean, what, you know, moving on to other things that you might collect or hoard, as you put it. Um, at what point did you realise that you'd um, moved from collector to hoarder? And would you ever try and move the pendulum back again? towards I,
1: I knew I was hoarding about a year ago. I had way too many cars where I don't even drive. <laughs> um, not that I don't. I, mean, I love to drive. I used to be an amateur race car driver. But it's just, it's not convenient. I mean, it's, it's easier to get the driver to come and get you. You don't have to worry about parking. Um, then they bring you home and the the prices are reasonable. So now I just have like fancy cars sitting around. I feel stupid. and Honestly, I feel stupid. I don't feel like a lot of artists like to show off their fleet of cars and you can only drive one at a time. And when I said that to myself a couple of years ago, I can only drive one at a time. Wow, I can only
0: play one guitar at a time. I was going to say, you can only play one guitar at a time, but that doesn't stop most musicians from having... (laughs) Cupboards I, full. I have like two 200. It's like, this is crazy. And yet you're quite sort of well-known for playing a single guitar or that right. one single guitar which which gets played and all the hits, you know, the hit maker, Fender Stratocaster. Was there a conscious decision to say, right, this is going to be a symbol of me, if you like, or a symbol of the things that I do? Or did it just, just become, it just turned out like that?
1: I walked into the studio sometimes with two or three guitars, plugged that one in, and it sounded the best. Then after a while, it became practical to just leave the others at home because I knew eventually that's the one I was going to play. And if they needed something different, there was probably a guitar in the studio or we could rent something. I was pretty focused on uh, what guitar I would use. And it happened at an early age.
0: With with an object like a guitar, which is your primary tool, do you look that inspiration in getting a new one or do you find that the familiarity of a singular using a singular one over and over again is the the way you generate creativity
1: yeah, yeah the, the new one rarely comes into my life for an extended period of time i will try something out for a few months um, like i have this new guitar that fender has introduced uh, called the Acoustasonic, and the sounds that it does generate are actually quite interesting can do more stuff with it than I would with um, uh, a regular jazz guitar.
0: What is what's your relationship with technology in general? Because being producing and and writing music, you must have to stay on top of so many changes in the industry. So, the- the,
1: so there was a time where I could have been maybe considered, uh, or or certainly deemed. Uh, a leader in <laughs> those days have long since passed because um once i got to a certain comfort level with the technology uh, yeah every time they come out with something new that's really really awesome uh like a couple of years when they came out with the Rolly, you know we didn't necessarily think we were going to get it next you know both my keyboard players have rollies Um,
0: Is that the 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 sort of rubber kind of keyboard thing with the different expression? Yeah,
1: expression exactly. And now I see a lot more tools that are giving you more power over expression and ornamentation and things like that. And I I haven't uh, purchased any, but I keep seeing them um, online. And the reason why I'm a little bit hesitant because I'm thinking that well like i've been involved with uh i had a video game uh, music company and i've been involved with people who would put together decks that worked in the demonstration but if you actually tried to turn that into a real product (laughs) you were you were light years away from delivering the product the coding and the software to actually make that a real thing uh was just intensive work but to do a model of it was easy, relatively easy. Um, so a, a lot of times I see things on the internet that look like genius, like, wow, wouldn't everybody like to have that? But then I say to myself, does it actually really work? I'm waiting for a musician to call me up and say, man, I bought one. It's unbelievable. And their customer service is incredible.
0: You're, you're happy not being at the sort of cutting edge in that sense.
1: No, my team, we're, we're in the mix. That's for sure. And also because of my video game experience, uh, a lot of people still come to me, like we just did a soundtrack for a video game. Now I've been out of that business for about three years, but somebody came to me and said, "Now nah, you know, you're really great at this. And we did it for them. And they're very, very happy, a Japanese company. And, and, and that made me sort of feel good in a way because people are not very, um, they're very protective of their IP. Oh, like um, it's the last thing they want is like okay we're gonna give <laughs> this this IP to like theres um, this American dude who actually sold his business and left the video game business he may hate us now but I, I think I built a okay reputation with those guys
0: so yeah let's um let's let's drill down onto an object that you never want to lose something uh, that is so- central to your life and always has been I've learned
1: that uh, loss is a part of life and um, I've I'm nothing uh, no inanimate object (laughs) means so much to me that uh, I would be uh, devastated my dog died I was devastated my mom just died a few months ago. I was devastated. My girlfriend took that, maplethorpe, I was not devastated.
0: That's a good answer. I mean, sometimes I think maybe we attach too much to objects. A lot of the people I've been talking to over the last few weeks have, have said similar sort of things, is that, yeah, I mean, you, you can't put too much emotional burden on an object because loss is inevitable. Can you grow... Can you grow with an object? Can you sort of have it become more and more part of you as you get as you get older?
1: Oh, of course, certainly. I mean, look, look, my my guitar. You pointed that out. My hitmaker guitar has become so much of a part of me that people it's almost become mythical. You know what I mean? It's like I uh, I'm rewatching Game of Thrones and they're going. You know that every great sword has a name. What will you name your sword? Oathkeeper, blah, 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 needle. You know, what do you name your guitar? The hitmaker. You know, it's like the same, same thing. It's become a part of who I am. If I show up to a session and I don't have the hitmaker, people find that it's weird. Uh, when I did uh, Daft Punk Random Access Memories, they they demanded they because they knew I was gonna show up with the hitmaker, they knew that. They said, but now we want that plexiglass guitar that you used to play in sheet when you did live shows. And I said, you know what, guys, that was a really smart call because the plexiglass guitar, or as we called it, the Plexi Strat, was engineered electronically to double the hit maker. I couldn't okay. find another guitar that sounded like a hit maker. And that's a long story. It really, truly is a one of a kind. Um, so we couldn't find it. Through, we couldn't
0: recreate that sound. So we had to recreate it electronically. So you, all those all those um, gold and platinum discs that you have behind you those 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 things that they're nice to have, but you wouldn't mind if they just ended up in a museum somewhere, or
1: not at all. They 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 weren't even here that long ago. Um, I've always felt uncomfortable having far too many gold or platinum records in a room. The reason why it's all here now is because life has changed considerably. I don't have an office anymore. Um, this, this is now my recording studio. And I think that when artists come to a recording studio, they like to see the history of work that's happened. Um, and even though only some of this work uh, was done in this recording studio, a great deal of it was, but the guy who is on all these records did all this work. So it's a lineage to, and it's it's really my whole career. It's from the first time I ever got a gold record um, until the last time I got a gold record. Uh, well, I haven't that? No one's gotten a gold record lately. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, what's going to happen? Because that's
1: interesting. Like, uh, you know, like the entire. Last year no one got a gold or platinum record. Like not one. Like that's so bizarre to me. Um so maybe like you know, the the new young crop of artists that I'm working with are gonna come by. I want to work at his house because he's got all those golden platinum records.
0: They're gonna become ancient artifacts.
1: I know. (laughs) It's funny. Yeah, the last platinum record I got I think was random access memories. Um, and then after that streaming started to pick up and pick up and pick up and record hard sales started going way, way, way down at almost like the way that you watch cryptocurrency you go, <laughs> um,
0: it's a, it's a, it's a loss to us all in a way, I guess we're talking about things, physical things we lose and it already started seeing quite, um, old-fashioned when people would have physical records on their walls to signify a certain number of sales. And then it moved on to CDs and stuff. And to a lot of young people, it's a dead media um, commemorating something which might never happen again.
1: Well, well, one thing that's really interesting about my life, I'm getting ready to do a big auction at Christie's because I have been hoarding and I realised that things – that don't mean a great deal to me any longer could mean something really important to someone else. And I realized that I have so many things like that in my life. Literally.
0: How many lots are going to be at this auction?
1: Maybe millions. <laughs> and and I had a, a, um, a water main break um, that actually rooting certain things that were highly valuable highly highly valuable so that's why i say that you know the artifacts as important as they are and and these things were really i mean irreplaceable i mean that that's it they're gone uh, but as bad as i felt nothing devastated me like when my mom died or when my dog died uh, that that was real pain and that was real mourning and that was real loss those other things i just said you know they were really cool that while they were in my life and they don't owe me anything it's okay
0: that feels like a very good place to end noah rogers thank you very much indeed for talking to us Glad my friend Thank you for joining us. If you've enjoyed this episode of Found Objects of Meaning, please subscribe, leave a review, and be sure to share it with your friends. I'd like to thank our guest and also our collaborators, Vodafone Smart Tech, who are creating innovative smart devices to help people stay connected to what matters most in their lives. Search for Vodafone Smart Tech to discover more. Wallpaper Magazine is the global authority on all things about contemporary design and new creativity. To find out more about us, head to wallpaper.com. Until next time, goodbye.